I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online podcast. When I when I grow up, what am I going to be? A farmer? A horse rider? I don't want to be those. I want to be a princess. Mm. That makes no sense. Have fun. Have a record my podcast anytime you like. Listen to it out of bed and have fun. Love you. Miss you. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode, I got to have my friend, Mr. Chris Kelly. That beautiful princess that you heard a second ago was Ivy Kelly, uh, Chris's daughter. We recorded this conversation out on his deck in Santa Cruz. Super beautiful out in the woods. You can hear the birds chirping. Um, And then it's a two-part conversation as well. You can jump over and check out the second part on Nourish, Balance, Thrive if you're feeling it. Um, Really fun conversation. He, Chris, is a uh, graduate from the Kalish Institute. He's qualified as a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. He's an overall wizard when it comes to nutrition and health and wellness and how to take yourself from where he claims to have been of being pretty much like as, as dark as he could have been from a health component and uh, bring him back up to, to uh, the vital individual that he is today. So really, really fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. We get into all the ins and outs of how some of the components of our health that we might be missing and not even realize it, getting into the value of diagnostic tests and a lot of things, really valuable conversation. You know, we've just been looking at some test results this morning before I got onto this call. And the, the re- we were like, holy shit, this is the worst <laughs> stool test oh, result we've ever oh seen. God. Like, how is this guy still functional? And it, people get really good about working around problems, right? And so... Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com on there. Or you can grab yourself the show notes for the least. Uh, we include everything that is mentioned in this show that is relevant and Googleable, so you don't have to be taking notes. So any relevant names or books or anything like that, jump onto aligntherapy.com slash podcast and uh, get all that stuff there. Save yourself some ink or some some lead from a pencil. Do they still use lead pencils? I don't I don't actually know graphite. Um, I think that was a stupid question. Um, quote that I have today <coughs> comes from Ida Rolf, as you guys probably imagine. I have a bit of a bit of a crush on Miss Ida. Uh, when the body gets working appropriately, the force of gravity can flow through. Then, spontaneously, the body heals itself. When the body gets working appropriately, the force of gravity can flow through. Then spontaneously, the body heals itself. As the basic, uh, fundamental, I think the probably definition of osteopathy, when we start to put the parts in place, in alignment, uh, then all of a sudden blood and lymph and all of the, the fluids of our body are able to circulate and we're able to actually essentially be massaging our joints just through our existence. As soon as you start to allow one of those joints to drift off axis and have imbalance, then everything we do starts to become kind of like we're creating a little forest fire inside of our joints. Uh, So this is a pretty relevant quote. It's kind of the theme of uh, everything we're getting in this podcast. So 
check out Ida Rolf, really fascinating lady. This podcast is brought to you by Ample Meal. Thank you so much, Ample Meal. Ample Meal is a comprehensive full meal designed to provide quality fuel when you don't have time to make it to a Whole Foods or you know make some food yourself. It is a delicious bottle of it's powder, but it's real food. It's it's amazing. The, the ingredients. I'm reading off the ingredients here off the bottle. Here we got healthy fats from macadamia, coconut, chia seed, um, collagen, pea protein, different various different types of fiber, chlorella, wheatgrass, barley grass, probiotics. It's got it's uh, really amazing stuff. Um, check out. You can use uh, the Align code A L I G N at amplemeal.com, and you will get yourself a cool 15% off on any order on that. I don't know why I said a cool. 15, I think that sounded stupid. Um, but get yourself 15% off a temp room temperature, 15% off of your first order through those guys. Check it out. Ample meal. Love it. Um, I think we're getting, that's about ready to go. Uh, por favor, if you guys leave reviews on iTunes and we read your review, we will send you out a box of Four Sigmatic Mushrooms and uh, hope you guys enjoy that. And... Tomorrow, I'm gonna to be heading to the Eclipse Festival here in Bend, Oregon. I'm presently looking out my backyard past the teepee and gymnastic rings of the yard. Really great. If you guys get a chance to sleep in a freaking teepee, do that thing. Highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, come out to Oregon, check us out. And then Seattle next for the Ancestral Health Symposium will be out there as well. All right, I think that's good. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Remember, you can jump over to Nourish Balance Thrive afterwards uh, as well. Last, last, last thing. Uh, thank you so much for those of you using the affiliate link through Amazon on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you buy something on Amazon, we get about 7% of that purchase. Takes it out of the Amazon, costs you nothing. And uh, amazing way, free way of supporting this podcast. All right, here we go. Back to the show with Mr. Christopher. Kelly. Align podcast. But there's a term for when you go into a hospital, essentially being made ill because of all the instruments. Oh, iotrogenic, yeah. How did you call it? You know it too. Iotrogenic injury. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like because we're going into the hospital, and so we have these you know millions of dollars of instruments. All of a sudden, like we need to find something that's wrong with you, and then right. You know, whereas someone might like their their body would just clear that up if they just like went for a hike in the woods. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a very famous Voltaire <laughs> quote that says that medicine is the art of entertaining the patient whilst nature takes care of the disease. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what the heck? What's the uh, what's the what's the d- we're recording by the way. Okay. Just so you we're know. Recording. Just so, just just so, so I know. This is official. <laughs> 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 so what's the tea stuff? The horma tea. The Hormity. Yeah. So this is Tommy's brainchild. His, he, he, so Tommy, for people that don't know him, he's a medical doctor and he's a research scientist. I feel like you have somewhat of an intellectual man crush on Tommy. Yeah, he, I am a little bit jealous of his credentials, <laughs> I have to say. It's like, fuck, I should have done that when I went to university. I could have been where he is now instead of this. Right. No, I don't think that like that at all. Instead of working But he, he is an impressive guy. The thing that I find so impressive about him is... He loves all of it. He's not just, I mean, he has an undergraduate degree in biochemistry and then he graduated as a medical doctor from Oxford. So the two most prestigious institutions in the UK. And then he went on and got a PhD in neonatal neuroscience and he still loves it. He's never burnt out. You know, I mean, I didn't, my undergraduate degree is in computer science and they also have one in electronics. And I was done with electronics by the time I'd finished my degree right. and the same with computer science. And I had really no desire to read magazines or publications or listen to podcasts on computer science whereas tommy 
he still does all of it. He listens to all of the podcasts. He reads all of the blogs. He reads, I don't know how many scientific papers per day and then summarizes them. And we put those out on a, an email series. If you come to nourishbalancethrive.com forward slash highlights, you can sign up for Tommy's highlight series where he summarizes the literature, things, interesting things he's seen in the science. And then he gives you all of the references and it's very prescriptive, right? It's Okay, one thing you can add to your act your health routine this week, go for a walk first thing in the morning as soon as the sun comes up. You know, it's not like a bunch of data that you're supposed to somehow interpret and decide what you're going to do with it. It's very actionable. So yeah, he's he's a pretty amazing guy. And Hormati, so he's been looking at some of these plant polyphenols in the literature for a long time, things like curcumin and then increasing the bioavailability of curcumin with black pepper. And then matcha green tea has some interesting stuff going on. The bilberry, e bilberry extract. What else has it got in there? My wife actually makes it. Um, and uh, oh, of course, the broccoli sprouts. So you have to look at Dr. Rhonda Patrick's work on sulforaphane, which comes from many plants, but broccoli sprout seems to be the best source of this, this sulforaphane. So this is the compound that activates a pathway called NRF2. And it's a bit like giving your cells a little workout. And the cells, once they've had their workout, they upregulate their antioxidant defense systems. And then that makes you stronger. So that's, that's why the product is called Hormiti. It's a play on the word hormesis, which means a little bit of something that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's exactly like lifting weights is also hormesis. The, all, the, all the effect is, is, is you're looking for is hormesis. Do you have any info on, so sometimes when I'm buying sprouts in the store, there's like, there's so many different varieties and I've heard kind of mixed reviews of, of um, depending on the sprout. Have you heard any, anything of that? It's like broccoli sprouts being the best or? or uh, no, I haven't actually. Yeah, I've seen them. They're very expensive. I think if you were to get the dose that you, that's, that's really been shown to be efficacious, you would need to eat a lot of broccoli sprouts. So probably become quite a, an expensive habit and that's why most people grow them and I, I've tried to grow them myself as well but it's a royal pain in the butt the first time you do it it usually goes quite well and then the second time you do it you, you're not quite as careful with uh, with the rinsing them out so what so just for people listening what you do is you get these sprouts and you just put them in the bottom of a mason jar and you soak them in water and then you rinse it out you just let them kind of sit there wet and then the seeds germinate and then you have to keep rinsing them over and over again if you don't do that they go moldy so the first time you're all excited and you do it and it works out great. And then the second time you can't be bothered quite so much and then they go moldy and then it's like really disappointing when you get to day four and the sprouts are almost ready to go and you come back from, from work or whatever and they're right. all covered in mold. And so that was one of the reasons that Tommy made Hormiti was that, so you don't have to do that. So the broccoli sprouts, what we do is we just grind them very gently. So not whiz them up and get them really hot, um, just a little bit. And then when you make the tea, you have to activate the myrosinase enzyme that leads to the production of sulforaphane. So you actually have to pour some hot water on, like 70 degrees C hot water, and just leave it for a while to activate the enzyme. We did the sacred ceremony We did the sacred ceremony. Yeah, it's all sacred. <laughs> so that may be part of like, how the whole thing works. You know, the same with matcha green tea as well. There's a, a, little, cer yeah, there's a little yeah. cer ceremony that goes with it, and that might be part of the magic. Yeah, yeah. So what's it like? We're like right now, just to paint a picture, we're out in this like spiritual forest here in Santa Cruz. And you moved here from where? You moved from England? No. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, obviously, my, my accent is, is British. <laughs> yeah, two, I looked it up in the calendar the other day. It was 2001 when I came here from London. And it was Yahoo, the tech company that brought me here to Sunnyvale in the heart of Silicon Valley. And 
I lived in San Francisco and that was really good fun. And they said to me at the time, oh, you've got one year to live. You've either got to move down here or you're going to get tired of the commute. And mm. they were right. And so I ended up working for Amazon in San Francisco and then for a hedge fund. And that took me out to the East Bay, Walnut Creek. And I bought a house in Oakland. And for anyone that's ever been to Oakland, they'll know when I say 59th and MLK. Whenever someone says MLK in any city in the US, you know that's probably not a very nice <laughs> part of the city, right? And so really, really busy road. And we're right underneath BART, which is the, the railway that runs above ground through there. So you know the, the, the train's coming into the station, it's breaking, there's brake dust coming down onto this really busy street. Our apartment is right there underneath all of this noise and mayhem and pollution. And then I quit my job at the hedge fund to start Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And that enabled us to move down here to Santa Cruz. So mm. many amazing things happened around that time that I'm incredibly grateful, including this, this what we're looking at right now. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So what is, I, what was the change mentally or physiologically or lifestyle or any of that upon going from Oakland to going from out in the woods here? Was there, did you feel like there's a pretty distinct change with that? Or is one any better or worse than the other? So many things changed at that time. I, I, you know, I can't, I can't even get my head around it now. So, so the main thing that changed was the way that I was feeling. You know, when I worked at the hedge fund, I've spent literally my entire life feeling like shit. And le the, the the year or two leading up to when I left the hedge fund, I just started to figure things out. I just started to figure out that the food that I put into my body would have a huge impact on the way that I felt. Right. And I'd never really even considered that before I started tinkering with my diet and then I'd also gotten into the advanced biomedical testing the blood chemistry and urinary organic acids and stool testing and some of the other fun stuff that we do in our business today and found a bunch of problems and fixed those and so I was just feeling so much better than I ever had before and you know gone was the insomnia I could finally sleep at night I'm feeling energetic even in the afternoons, which was my best time for sleeping normally. My sex drive was back. My wife was pregnant. In fact, actually, when we moved down here, Ivy had, had just been born. Mm. So I came home from the hedge fund one day and said, right, I've quit my job. We're starting a business. And she's there. I've got this picture of her holding a six-month-old baby. And she's like kind of smiling. Do you know what those poor <laughs> smiles? <laughs> kind of funny. So yeah, so many things had changed around that time. And I don't think any of it was a coincidence. I was this introverted programmer working in the back office of a hedge fund. And my idea of a good day was not making eye contact with anyone during their course, <laughs> you know, like one of those types of people, <laughs> which I'm not sure that's great for long-term health, right? Like being one of those sorts of people. And then suddenly I'm hosting this podcast where I'm talking to tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. It's like such a change in my personality. And, and you know, I met a woman and got married and had a baby. So it, it literally so many things have changed at that time that I, I can't really get my head around how they all fit together. Yeah. Yeah. What was the what was the thing that induced the change? It was the paleo diet. I mean, that's what changed everything. But the change like the, so that was the lifestyle change, the move change. Yeah, that like, was I'm the change. This whole that was thing the up. catalyst for sure. Was, was the so we see this with all of our clients all of the time. Right. So. We now have, so Tommy is the architect of our program. I think that's a really good analogy. And I'm, I'm a builder. So what did you call yourself last night? Like the meat grinder or something? Uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> that's the meat grinder. <laughs> no, Tommy is the organ grinder. I'm the monkey. <laughs> right, that's what it is. Right. The monkey. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we have several monkeys. And so, so Tommy architects this program. He's, he, he reviews the literature. He uses his education. And he comes up with this playbook 
that consists of these little virtual sticky notes that we put on people's whiteboards. So imagine a whiteboard with, with columns to do, doing, review and done. And there's literally a thousand sticky notes that I might want to put in the to do column. And obviously I can't give you them all at once. You have to break it down, right? You, you, how do you eat an elephant? Someone, who's was it said this to me yesterday? How do you eat an elephant? Yeah, it was Gandhi. No, I don't know. That's what <laughs> <laughs> I either say it's always either Gandhi or Jim Rohn. Oh, okay, so it's yeah. one of those two. Okay. It, it wasn't sure. you then. That's good. It wasn't me. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. how do you eat an elephant? The answer is one bite at a time. Sure. So you've got to break it down. You've got to divide and conquer. And so we start people off with maybe some subtle change. Actually, that's not true. We make radical changes to their diet from the beginning. Mm. And that, for me, like all these people we work with, was the catalyst. And then once you're feeling good, you then feel like doing other things. Right, so maybe somebody comes to us and they've got a weight loss goal or a body recomposition goal might be a more accurate way of saying that. And if you were to say to them at that moment, they come to you, what you need is a personal trainer and you need to start deadlifting, there would be a puff of smoke where the client was, was right? Then there's right. no way they're going to do that. Right. And so you do a whole bunch of <laughs> testing and then you find, you know, we've just been looking at some test results this morning before I got onto this call. And I heard the, you the scoffing. We were like, holy shit, this is the worst <laughs> stool test oh, we've ever oh seen. God. Like, how is this guy still functional? And you know, people get really good about f working around problems, right? And right. so, you know, this guy had a, a, an overgrowth of C. diff with the toxins that it makes, which is a really dangerous bacteria that still kills 14,000 people in the U.S. each year. And they're not like the guy that we're working with. These are people who are ill in hospital that are being killed by this thing. But then he also has a giardia infection that he's probably picked up from some contaminated water somewhere. And then he also has an overgrowth of the bacteria H. pylori, which I believe is the only bacteria that's classified as being a carcinogen. So it actually causes stomach cancer in some people. Mm. And he has the virulence factor. So these very cool stool tests that we do now, they don't just look for the amount, whether the bacteria is there or not. They also quantify the amount of growth and then they look for some of the toxins that the bacteria might be producing. And that's really helpful for us in, in diagnosing why someone might be feeling like death. And yeah, this guy had everything. And <laughs> I mean, you know that he's going to feel a mil like a million bucks. Like we've got some really good nutritional supplements that are going to fix all of the problems that we found on that stool test. And then at that point, and in fact, this particular guy is a bad example because he doesn't have a weight loss goal. But you can imagine for somebody else, they're feeling like death. You fix all these problems in their gut. And then all of a sudden they feel like moving their body. Yeah. Right. And then you talk to them in three months time and they say, I just hired a personal trainer. What the fuck just happened? Right. I hate personal. Tra I like the idea of a personal trainer is always just filled me full of dread. And, and now I have one. What just happened? And that's what happened is now you have the energy to start thinking about other things that might improve your health. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I think it's interesting thinking of the, the hormonal effect of food as opposed to like the, the caloric Right, Load. right, right. Yeah, yep. and, and so that's the catalyst. You change somebody's diet, they start feeling good, that yeah. changes everything. That gives them the, the mental capacity even to start thinking about other things too. Yeah. So uh, what are some signs for people to be thinking like, obviously, maybe not obviously, likely everybody should just go get some blood work done and kind of see where they're at. But yeah, are there some fair. indications that you might see superficially on a person just yeah. looking in their eyes or their skin quality or oh. their... And you, anything like that? Or is it like, you, you close raise, your eyes, give me the blood work? Yeah, you, you raise a really interesting point, which is I don't really see people in person ever. In fact, I don't ever see people in person. And the reason I hesitated there is we use this video conferencing software to consult with clients called Zoom. Hmm. And it's very, very good. You know, if you've got an HD camera on your computer, 
and it's almost like you're in the same room with the person. Yeah. But then recently I did a, a bike race and one of our clients was there and I didn't recognize him. I didn't know who he was. I'd spoken to this guy several times on Zoom and I had no idea who he was until I heard his voice. And then I recognized his accent immediately because he's American, but originally Liverpudlian, which is where my mum is from. So yeah. I immediately knew who he was once he started speaking, but I realized I didn't recognize him by sight, even though I'd probably seen him with one of these HD cameras. Right. So it's just not the same. It's not, I mean, that's one of the things that, that regular doctors can do is is they can actually lay their, their hands and their eyes on you. If they have the time to do it. If they have the time to do it. But as it turns out, looking inside of the person is also incredibly useful. But to, to answer your question, so, okay, so I can't look at you and, and tell you, or visu- I can't give you visual signs and symptoms. But, you know, the, the, the main things, I think, are the things that affected me. I've seen that literally a thousand times over and over again, and that is fatigue, right? Especially in the afternoon. So you wake up feeling fairly decent and then by the afternoon you're crashing and you're like, I'm going to need another cup of coffee and some sugar. uh, So I'm not going to make it through this meeting. Whereas now my perception of energy is completely even. I don't feel any more or less energetic at any time of the day versus any other time. And then sleep as well is another huge thing that we speak to people who are getting up three, four, five times a night to pee. And they think that's normal. You know, they talk to one of their friends and they say, do you get up in the night to pee? And they say, yeah, three or four times. Oh, yeah, same here. I guess that's normal. Then. What, okay. is the, what is the pee thing? So it's, I think it's the, the main thing that's driving it is something to do with circadian rhythm. Huh. So the mistake I think that, that people are making is they think that they woke up because they needed to pee. And it's not. It's the other way around. You woke up and then you realized you needed to pee. And I don't think you should be producing a ton of urine in the night. And so something's going on with your circadian rhythm or maybe your metabolism is slightly broken. So for me, one of the main reasons I couldn't make it through the night originally was that my metabolism was so broken that I just couldn't make it that many hours without eating, right? You should be able to access glucose and stored body fat in order to mobilize energy and and get through the night. And I couldn't, I could only access glucose. Mm. Well, you've only got a little bit of glucose. You've got some glycogen stored in your liver. There's glycogen in muscles, but that glycogen can only be used by the muscle that stores it. And so you may end up with an energy crisis in the middle of the night if you can't access but store body fat. And that's what would happen to me is I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning, starving hungry, and I'd have to go into the kitchen and eat a huge bowl of cereal. And then I'd get that post-sugar crash, you know, like you feel really sleepy after you've eaten a bunch of carbs. And that would get me back to sleep for the rest of the night. And then I'd wake up again at, you know, six o'clock in the morning, starving hungry again, which is... So, and then, then you've kind of, it's a really nasty, vicious cycle. So you're not sleeping properly. And that might be causing metabolic derangement. And the metabolic derangement is stopping you from sleeping. So you've got this horrible, vicious cycle that you somehow need to break. Hmm. How do people start breaking that cycle? It's with the food, isn't it? I mean, yeah. so that's what my main problem was, was I was eating. So I was a competitive mountain biker doing 20 plus hours a week of endurance activity. And then I was lifting weights as well, actually. And my body fat was unmeasurable with skin calipers. I went to a coach that was trained to use them. And he was like, I don't know, I can't measure anything with this. Like this thing goes down to 3% and there's nothing here to measure. There's like literally skin. There's no subcutaneous fat whatsoever. And I don't think I was really that lean. According to the calipers, I was lean. But I think I had a lot of visceral fat. So visceral fat, we were talking about this last night. It's 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 the fat that, yeah, so you can't really see this fat. It's wrapped around your internal organs. It's wrapped around your liver. It's wrapped around your gut. It's wrapped around your pancreas. It's wrapped around everything inside. And so you don't necessarily see it on the outside. And maybe you've got a six-pack 
abs, right? You look flipping fantastic. And maybe it's just kind of a bit distended looking, you know. Uh, but when you try and pinch something on the outside, there's nothing there. And that is not a healthy way to store body fat. You'd much rather be like a baby. I'm looking at my daughter now, like teasing us through the window. And <laughs> when she was tiny, she had fat <laughs> rolls everywhere. You know, like everyone's seen like a cute baby like that. Yeah, where they've yeah. got like five chins. They've got a really big roll of fat that hangs over their hands. Um, they're just like a little baby sumo wrestler. In right. fact, they're ex exactly <laughs> like a sumo wrestler. It's, it's kind of a paradox, isn't it? That, that sumo wrestlers are obviously obese and overweight, yet they are metabolically healthy. If we, we were to look at their blood chemistry, we would see normal fasting glucose. We would see normal fasting insulin. Hemoglobin A1C would be fine. Triglycerides would be fine. They would look really good on paper. And, and that's because they're storing this fat in a healthy way. Is the that because of the exercise? Is that because exactly. of... Exactly. They're okay. doing... I mean, they're eating with the intent to store body fat, you know, so they're mixing high carb, high fat. They're trying to store as much fat as they possibly can. But at the same time, they're doing, presumably, I've never really looked in detail at a sumo wrestler's training plan, but presumably they're doing a shit ton of movement too, right? And sure. lifting heavy things, so yeah. including their own body. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if they were to become sedentary, I think it all goes to shit very quickly. Yeah. One thing they do to, to increase fat is they, they eat before bed, which is right. kind of a thing. So they'll, right. they'll have a big meal and then take a nap and then do a yeah. before going to sleep. Which is kind of what all animals do, right? I mean, when you've, have you interviewed Rob Wolf? He talks about this yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's what um, animals are really wired to do is find as many calories as possible and then you go take a nap. Right? Yeah. I, <laughs> my, I watched my dog do it last night. I gave him a huge bowl of food and then the first thing he did when he's finished was he laid down and went to sleep. So what's with the fasting before bed being like the, that's the bee's knees now? Yeah, yeah. I what feel are we like, supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's right and everything's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've gotten... So now our pattern of eating is that we do time-restricted eating, and there's, you can use that term to look up some really interesting stuff in the scientific literature. There's a very interesting researcher called Sachin Panda that's done a lot of work looking at time-restricted eating. And, and what we're doing, this is my whole family, we all eat the same way, is we all eat breakfast quite early, and then we maybe have lunch. I don't think my wife really eats lunch much, but I do, because I'm, I'm still riding 10 hours a week. And then uh, we eat dinner quite early, at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we go to bed quite early, but not terribly early, like maybe nine o'clock. And I feel like that's really, really helped and trained my circadian rhythm so I sleep better at night. And I think it's a mistake. You know, people talk about intermittent fasting and it's more convenient to skip breakfast for most people. That's what they're doing when they say intermittent fasting, they're skipping breakfast. But I think that eating is a, is a zeitgeber. It's something that, that's just a German word for time giver. So it's something that entrains mm. your circadian rhythm. So if you're not eating until lunchtime, you're not sending that signal that now is daytime until lunchtime. So that's naturally going to entrain your circadian rhythm to be later in the day. And so I think that if you're, if you're, if you're trying to sleep better, I think it's a mistake to skip breakfast. Hmm. Interesting. And then what about, what, what should be pe people be thinking about as far as types of food? Are we thinking about macronutrients? Are we thinking yeah. about like what's like, as far as specifically for the visceral fat thing, like oh, right. storing the right kind of fat? Yeah, do you know, it's funny, I have I feel like I've come full circle with all of this stuff because in the beginning I was clear, clearly hooked on glucose, right? I'm eating cereal for breakfast, sandwiches for lunch, pasta for dinner, I'm doing these long bike rides and I'm eating these maltodextrin gels, one every 40 minutes, like on the button, else I'm going to have some sort of horrible hypoglycemic episode 
And then I'm also mixing up 6% carbohydrate solution in my bottles that I'm drinking. So it's just like sugar, sugar, more sugar all the time. And I get home, I'd eat the pasta dinner and then I would eat a bunch of fat-free yogurt with a ton of raspberry jam in it, right? So even more sugar, just so much sugar. And that was obviously not doing me any favors. And then I switched to a, a higher fat diet. And then I took that, like many athletes, right? You can't just do things in moderation. I just took it to greater and greater extremes. And I listened to some people like, Dr. Peter Atia, who does some really wonderful work over at the Eating Academy, people can look that website up, and Dominic D'Agostino, I've interviewed him a couple of times, also doing some amazing work, is an in incredibly compelling speaker. Like every time Dominic opens his mouth, I wanna check my blood ketones. <laughs> he, he's just amazing, he's such a great guy. And then we did the Keto Summit. So Tommy, me, and Jeremy and Louise Hendon organized this online summit, the Keto Summit, where I interviewed 35 experts so academics practitioners on the ketogenic diet which is a very high fat low carbohydrate moderate protein diet and that at the time was the diet that i'd been eating for over a year and i felt like i was getting really good results with that for me personally in terms of my energy levels and productivity as a small business owner i feel like that was working really well mm. but on the bike i definitely wasn't as fast as i wa was before eating carbs especially not in cycle cross mm. cycle cross is a very relatively short event it's only 60 minutes very high intensity and i, I really sucked at cycle, cycle cross eating a ketogenic diet and i realized i'd taken it too far right i'd gone the other way so i was still metabolically inflexible but now i was in metabolically inflexible in the opposite direction so now i was really good at burning fat but i could no longer burn sugar and sometimes you want to burn sugar right in a cycle cross race or if a tiger's chasing you or if you're doing something else glycolytic like CrossFit or soccer, uh, then you want to be able to access sugar. So Thanks for calling it soccer. That was, soccer. Really, that was, really, that was really sweet of you. I know. I, you either I'm becoming an American. <laughs> I've never heard an English person yeah, it's definitely, willing to stoop as low as to call it uh, soccer. I think, I think maybe <laughs> that, um, you know, it's just the American thing is starting to, to, to wear off on me, sure, right? Because yeah. uh, I'm definitely not empathetic. So I can't imagine <laughs> oh, I don't know where like, that turning came the from. tables on the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the goal is, unfortunately, for the athletes who love to polarize things, is to is to strive for that middle ground to maximize your ability to use stored body fat without losing the ability to use glucose. And the exercise physiologist and coach I've been using Mike T. Nelson as a as a coach as a paying client for a, a number of months now is Mike T. Nelson, who I think has done some amazing work educating people on metabolic flexibility what it really is because i think that the high fat people they hijacked that term and made mm. it as all about fat and it really isn't it's about both and so you know to come back to your your question i've, I've reached this point where i almost couldn't give a fuck about macronutrients anymore and really the important thing is is food quality right so you can do i mean like you take any diet you can think of think like the paleo diet the vegan diet, a ketogenic diet, you can still construct a crappy diet that consists of a ton of processed foods, things with a bazillion ingredients in it, all kinds of preservatives, artificial sweeteners, emulsifiers, things that your grandma wouldn't recognize as food, and then still call it paleo, still call it sure. keto, still call it vegan. And universally, at least amongst our clients, that doesn't get good results. Mm. And the thing that gets the best results is food quality. And so that means eating things your grandmother would recognize as food. It means eating tons of vegetables. It means eating high quality protein, including fish. It means 
not adding a ton of fat to your food, right? So you can eat fatty. We had a, a steak last night, and I'm sure that was super fatty. I don't really know. But all of that fat was already in the food before I started eating it. I didn't start putting butter on my steak or a ton of olive oil on top of it, you know. It's as, I, as I proceeded to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. so maybe you have to consider your goal. That's like, and this again comes from Rob Wolf is, I, I've heard him say, who are you and what are your goals? Like, until you know that, you really can't give anyone any advice that's useful or meaningful. And so, yeah, if you've got, um, if you, if you, you're, you know, a big guy and you want to retain all your muscle mass and not turn into a skinny weakling, then, then yeah, maybe you do need to to eat some cheesecake and put some butter on your steak. Right. <laughs> so the the concept, I think the something that happens oftentimes is we lose our adaptability by being precious you could say and by being just like everything has to be meticulously perfect just the way it is and if anything's outside of that then i just right 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 i freak out or i have a panic attack throw my toys out the pram right (laughs) (laughs) so it's interesting using that term that flexibility is really obvious with like your muscles but around like metabolic flexibility is kind of a fascinating type yeah wormhole to get into it's so difficult to say i mean i feel like that's become our our specialization is is not specializing right everybody has their little niche and their thing that they do and for our athletes that we work in i think that this this in part came from tommy's fiance who is a professor of chemical engineering at the university of washington and she did a really fantastic ted talk that maybe we can link to in the show notes yeah, of course. on specializing and not specializing yeah. Right. It's the, it's the big picture is is the most important thing. And it's so unsexy, you know, like being polarized. Oh, ketones or die. You know, that's so much easier to sell than than the middle ground. Right. Like nobody right. wants to hear about the middle ground. <laughs> yeah, that's funny how that is, actually. It's like yeah. this when we're selling something, that polarization yeah. is helpful to sell right but that's not the reality of what your body receives the best yeah yeah, yeah. and And so we get kind of confused i think with that and you see it with with personalities as well someone who's highly polarized they they piss a whole bunch of people off but the people that are not pissed off they absolutely love them right and with the internet now you can reach so many people at once it doesn't matter if you piss a few people off right it's much better to be polarized than it is to be this nice guy i mean so mike t nelson is a really good example of that he is evidence-based he has all the credentials he's incredibly balanced his stuff is always brilliant like second to none and yet i feel like hardly anybody knows about him Mm. and that's why it's because he's so he's in the middle ground he's not he's not polarized in any way right and and that's what that's what sells i think yeah how does how do you how do you determine what your goals are in the first place like i think that's that's an issue is i'll notice sometimes i'll have more clairvoyant or like just clear intentions of like this is where i'm going you right. know and those moments i'm like yeah i'm, I'm, I'm really gonna get there yeah. and then there i'll have other kind of existential moments where like i don't really even know where i'm going yeah <laughs> it's really funny you should bring this conversation up because it is one that fascinates me and i've worked with a few business consultants with our business over the last couple of years and it's the first thing that they they really ask you is, you know, they take you and say, look, Chris, what do you really want to get out of this business? <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five times? What, what would success like? We're opening a bottle of champagne in a year's time. What are we celebrating? Like they're really trying to get you to do this goal setting. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm just having a lot of fun. You know, we've worked with a thousand people in the last three years. Every morning I jump out of bed and I cannot wait to open. I have to stop myself from opening the laptop. I go out and walk the dog now and have some breakfast before I even turn the Wi-Fi on. 
And it's to stop myself from just going straight to the laptop because I'm so, everything is so interesting and so compelling at the moment. And maybe this is a pathology that I should worry about. But the thing that gave me hope was I recently spend, uh, spent a weekend in San Diego with Leslie Patterson and Simon Marshall. They have a fantastic new book. It's called The Brave Athlete. And then the subtitle, which I love, is Calm the Fuck Down and Rise to the Occasion. And Simon Marshall is a performer, um, adjunct professor of family medicine at, at San Diego State. In fact, I think it's preventative medicine, I should say. And he's now the uh, sports psychologist and he works with some very elite athletes, including Team BMC, the cycling team. And so he, he knows a lot of stuff about the way that people think and how they reason and the potential problems that you're gonna run into. And I talked to him about this idea of, well, I just don't know what my goals are. You know, I'm just having a lot of fun. And he said, exactly the same. He goes, I've no idea. I'm exactly the same. You know, I'm ha you know, the reason I wrote this book was not to get more coaching clients. It was because I'm bored of repeating myself. You know, people are asking us the same questions. Here are the answers. Now I don't have to repeat myself. I can just give you the book. And I don't really have any goals. And I think it's okay to not have you know, a five-year or one-year goal and any of that stuff. I mean, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are listening to this and saying, you're an idiot. You need to get some goals. So you never <laughs> go anywhere in life. So maybe I should stop talking now. Well, like you mentioned, like, Paleo Man. Like, I wonder what Paleo Man's goals were. Yeah, well, Paleo Man's goals were to um, do as little as possible uh, and then survive the day and reproduce. Right. And that, that <laughs> that's pretty much... Yeah. That's, and that's it's, fine. <laughs> do you know what? And it's useful to remember that. You know, well, I'm a mountain biker and I ride these fairly rugged trails here in Santa Cruz and it's useful to remember that your brain does not want you to ride this trail right now right it wants you to just survive the day eat some food reproduce and go to bed like that's that's the brain's agenda right like and until you understand that <laughs> you you won't realize why, why does my brain not want me to like ride off this big drop thing in the middle of this trail that's why it just doesn't make any sense for you yeah evolutionary but then, then the health comes as a product of the adaptation. So a, a, yeah. lean, a leaner machine yeah. ends up being a healthier yeah, machine. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah, emotionally, business, body, like right. all the ways. It's when you have that fat, flabby flappers hanging yeah. out. That's when you know the bolts start falling off. Wanted to take a break and thank Four Sigmatic for supporting this podcast. As you guys know, if you leave a review on iTunes, we and we read the review, we will send you out a box of mushrooms from those guys. Four Sigmatic is a radical company where they infuse various different medicinal mushrooms into teas and coffees, saying so things like reishi and maitake and cordyceps and all the ones people like Tim Ferriss and all the guys are getting down on it. I love this stuff. Use it every day. Get yourself 10% off at foursigmatic.com slash align 10% off for sigmatic f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c dot com slash align here we go back to the show thank you yeah, you know it's really funny simon was talking about that that down in san diego they do a lot of work with um mexicans that have come over the border i hope i'm not i'm a bit worried about making being casually racist here you know, some, <laughs> as long as, as it's casual yeah, racism, as long as it's casual <laughs> racism. I, I think i'm using the right words here like, please forgive me if i'm not but anyway so he works with with mexicans that have, that have come across the border and suddenly they have access to all this very low quality very inexpensive food a lot of sugar right fast food and all of that and they just it's they balloon they balloon up to mm. catastrophically large portions proportions and they don't see it as a problem and that that's the killer thing is apparently 
in those cultures, it's actually considered to be like a good thing that you, you've kind of gotten fat. It means you're no longer working in the fields and, and you've made it. And this is a deadly combination for these people, right? So that's been Simon's challenge is like, how do we change behavior in these people? How do, how do we get them to even consider that what they're doing is not working? Yeah. Like that's the goal for him in his, in, in his academic work. It's like just blows my mind, just the idea of success being just to get someone to think about something else. Yeah. Anybody that's spent time in Mexico will know what I'm talking about with the Mexican, maybe not all of Mexican people. What I notice quite often is Mexican people, the guys, if they had like a belly, they would walk around, they'd actually put their shirt yeah, up I've on their that. belly. I've seen that. And they'd kind of walk around and yeah it's amazing like full representation yeah it does it does raise some interesting (laughs) points about the way that we can we we perceive our bodies right like you think that you're going to be i'll be happy once you can see my my the the muscles in my abdomen right? right right but no like here's a guy over here that's like happy as punch with exactly what he's got can we not just have a, 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 a maybe a slightly less metabolically dysfunctional um body composition but re- still keep what that guy's got going on in his head that he's so happy with what, what he's got yeah the person that grows up on rice and beans and lechuga or salad or whatever and then all of a sudden converts over to the processed nonsense yeah. is that going to be worse on them than someone that's been eating McDonald's since they were a little kid? Yeah, I know that's, that's kind of question. a big question. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, not, I don't honestly expect don't, you to know. But I, don't, <laughs> I don't know the answer, but I can I can tell you what I've seen in, in, in our girl. So we've got a, a three-and-a-half-year-old girl, Ivy. Who you'll hear in the introduction who of this you hear podcast. In the introduction, we've we've yeah. done extensive recording this morning <laughs> with her. That's <laughs> funny. But um, yeah, so Ivy, we've got all kinds. It's, when you come to our Nourish Balance Thrive Facebook page, all you see is like pictures of Ivy, and I've realized that maybe I need to do something about that. But that was the only thing I ever took pictures of was ivy eating all these foods that we couldn't get our adult clients to eat you know things like liver pate and liverwurst and oysters and just all kinds of crazy stuff some of the most nutrient dense foods are actually some of the that some people would consider the least palatable and you know she's never had trouble with any of those things but at the same time she's never been introduced to any of this hyper palatable stuff right combinations of starch and sugar and salt and then maybe some other some other chemicals like theobromine or caffeine, for example, right? Those things, those hyperpalatable combinations. And again, I should give credit to uh, Stefan Guillenet, who was on my podcast recently. He was the one that introduced me to this idea of hyperpalatability. Hmm. And then the kids, they don't stand a chance, right? If you've got some relative that's feeding the kids, you know, Pop-Tarts all the time and whatever other highly palatable foods all day long, and then they give them back to you, and then you're supposed to get them to eat liverwurst. Good luck with that, right? I mean, that's just normal that that the kid is going to prefer the hyperpalatable thing. And so, maybe part of the solution is to just never be exposed to this stuff in the first place. But it's tough because it's everywhere. Yeah. What are some s- super simple foods or food-like, like what do they call that? Food-like replacements or food-like substances whatever but that people have in their kitchens that are just like kind of confusing it seems like it's healthy but maybe it's not the best thing to have around is there anything you can think of as like grains or or cereals or cheese or is anything that pops out as like this is the thing that kind of is the most dubious is whether it's good for you or not do you know what i'm so out of touch now that i'm not sure i can even answer that question i i really can't it's just become 
routine for us now. You know, with I mean, you've seen the inside of our kitchen. Yeah, we nice. don't, we just don't have anything. Which is that no big deal. That's and it's the thing. No big deal. It's like, like no big deal at all. No, I mean, it's once you, once <laughs> like you, vegetables? so it, it wasn't always like that. So when I first made this change, you know, my cupboards were full of bread, whole grain bread. Right? It's whole grain. It's that's good a big for you. one. That's what the yeah. that's what the government say that you should be eating. And the same with the cereals. And it says things like fortified with 12 vitamins and iron. Right. I, 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 what? So you've added, so you took a food that was completely devoid of nutrients and then you added some of them back, synthetic versions of those nutrients back into it. Right. And now somehow that's healthy. And it was a big deal to get rid of all that stuff in the beginning. But now it's just routine. It's, ju- it's just food. Like we don't know anything else. And if anything, I have more trouble adapting when I go somewhere else and I open people's cupboards and I'm like holy shit it's like yeah. 1992 in here yeah. margarine in the fridge yeah as far as endurance so you're you're an endurance athlete what what have you found to be just some standout points to help with with increasing endurance oh yeah that's a good question better yeah. than the last one screw <laughs> <laughs> that last one no I think it's still a very good question and, and this is another thing that um, I learned from from Simon actually, and I think I've heard Tommy say this as well. Tommy's going to slap me now because I have this habit of Tommy will tell me the answer, and then it's only once somebody else also tells me the same answer do I pay attention. Yeah. And he'll say to me, "I told you that six months ago." I'm like, "Oh yeah, sorry, Tommy." But yeah, so what what, what Simon said is that when you and I've never defended a PhD, so I don't have a PhD, but in a PhD defense, they call it a viva. The, the experts, so these are the, the best academics in their field, are, are, are grilling you, and Tommy's just been through this, so that's how I know a little bit about it. Um, they grill you on, on your subject, and they're, what they're looking for is to get the, the most they possibly can out of you, and then they want to know the limits of your knowledge, and when they reach those limits, they want to hear you say, I don't know. And what people often do, the students often do, is they don't know when to stop, right? They just keep talking and just like making stuff up and putting together plausible mechanisms and pulling stuff out of their ass. And, mm. and that's not terribly helpful. So just because I didn't know the answer doesn't mean it's not a good question. I think it is a good question. Right. <laughs> Thanks. But to come back to your next question, which is um, on endurance. Yeah, so um, I, th- I feel like I've learned a lot about that too. And the main thing I've learned is that it really pays to slow down. So when I ride on the yeah. trails around here in Santa Cruz, usually what I see is a bunch of guys around about my age, I'm 41 and maybe a little bit older, and they're just killing it, like literally killing it. They're riding around with a heart rate at 170 beats per minute. And they do that once or twice a week with their buddies. And they get home and they feel like death because they've just done a bike race effectively, you know, either in the middle of the week or on the weekend. And they don't really get any faster. You know, these guys go out to races occasionally and they don't do very well. And it's because they've never really tapped into their stored body fat as a source of energy. And that's where most of your, the the bang for the buck is, right? You store a lot more body fat than you do stored sugar. And so you have to be able to access that stored body fat. But if all you ever do is go really, really hard, it becomes impossible to access the stored body fat because burning fat requires more oxygen than sugar does. So imagine it, you're going really, really hard and you can barely keep up. You're breathing so hard. You ain't burning fat at that point. You're burning sugar. And so these guys, they never get any faster. They may be doing other damage to themselves. So I've interviewed uh, Peter Bax, who's a researcher looking at atrial fibrillation, which is a pathology in the heart that happens to a lot of endurance athletes and 
when you go hard all the time, I'm certain that's something to do with it. It's like everything in, in medicine. It's, you know, death by a thousand cuts. It's not, there's never a single, very rarely is there a single cause of a problem. It's always multifactorial. But yeah, so that I would say that slowing down and the doctor and coach that's been most helpful in me understanding that is Dr. Phil Maffetone. Mm. He's been around talking about all this stuff since the 1970s. He's in the Born to Run book, right? Uh, maybe. I've yeah, not read that so book. He's like legend. In yeah, the, he in, is. In that, book, in that book, he describes okay. him as being like Phil Maffetone. I, I think I might be yeah, making that up. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So he's, he's full of wisdom and he's still going strong after all these years. You know, he's been talking about the same stuff since literally before I was born. And yeah, pay attention to him. Slow down. Do some time at 140 beats or maybe even less. And what you find is, and we've seen this in hundreds of clients now, and as well as me, is that at first it sucks, right? So if you're a runner, you're going to have to walk when you go uphill. And if you're a cyclist, you're going to be going so slow that you'll like maybe lose the will to cycle. But what happens over a, a period of weeks is you just get faster and faster and faster at that same heart rate. And then you find just that's when the magic starts, right? You can... <laughs> You can do what is a fast ride, but it's not killing you. You can come home and play with your kids or do some work or go for a walk on the beach or do whatever you want, um, even though you've done a fairly challenging workout. And uh, yeah, so Phil Maffetone, check him out. He's absolutely amazing. I feel like he's been really helpful to me. <coughs> I think there's a, I heard this thing from er Ernest Hemingway about Ernest Hemingway, and, and it was that when he would get to the end of... Um, his writing like he would he would stop when he was still feeling good and still feeling okay. creative yeah so as opposed to like burning the midnight oil and going to yeah. 4 a.m and more cups of coffee and like yeah. ah, okay yeah it's all been purged yeah he would stop at the point of like this feels good i'm gonna write yeah, again tomorrow it takes takes great discipline yeah. to do that doesn't it <laughs> especially yeah athletes don't generally do that they're just gonna <laughs> smash it until yeah. they can barely walk is that a, that's a that's a cultural thing i guess that's a belief system yeah yeah I, i'm sure it's that the, it's the type of person is then drawn towards these types of activity, right? It like takes, a, I mean, I've just done the Belgian waffle ride that I mentioned earlier. It was 133 miles with 11,000 feet of climbing to meet eight hours and 45 minutes because a lot of it is on dirt, hmm. like proper single track with rocks in it and shit. It's a very so, modest name for it. Yeah, the, the Belgian, Belgian waffle, waffle ride. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't eat any of the... I thought this was the Belgian waffle ride. Yeah, they had a, they, they had a, a shorter version. It was 60 miles and they called it the wafer. <laughs> which I thought was quite amusing. And of course, uh, I, you know, being a, a gluten-free kind of guy, I can't eat any of the waffles anyway. So right. it's kind of ironic. But um, yeah, I, th I think, you know, that you see those guys that do that type of event. And I, I suppose I'm one of them. In fact, I know I'm one of them. They're drawn towards that type of thing because that's the type of person they are. It's not like the activity that creates the person. It's the person that's drawn to the activity, I'm sure. Yeah. Or both, maybe. Maybe a bit both. Maybe yeah. a bit both. It kind of toughens you up a bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is there, um, what about like mentally speaking, as far as um, doing an endurance race or even like business or, or is there any kind of tricks that you think of being able to, for one thing, keep on going, but right. also also knowing where you're at, you know, yeah. like knowing like whence, like, I think that's the big thing is, is recognizing being able to witness yourself right so many right. times it's just like we're, we're doing what we think we're supposed to do whether it's the best thing for us or not right we just go off of whatever the previous right. schematics were like self-witnessing i know yeah. that's like a big nebulous question too but yeah that's funny you should bring that up too because it's 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 referenced in that brave athlete book and that's how i found out about steve peters 
And then once I knew the name, I realized that I remember some of the top British cyclists talking about Steve Peters and the chimp paradox. So that's something you can link to. Watch Steve Peters' The Chimp Paradox TED Talk. Mm. It's amazing. So the basic idea is that there's three parts of the brain. And even though they've got non-technical names that I'll describe now, they do actually map to real regions of the brain. If you're a neuroscientist, you kind of understand this. But he describes um, the chimp, which is the the very sort of, it's it's the part of the brain that's most likely to react in an emergency, right? So when you get angry, road rage, it's, that's the chimp, right? When you're in a bike race and your body is screaming at you to stop, it's the chimp, right? Like that's the part of your brain that's going to save your life. It's a very ancient part of the brain. It's designed to preserve you, but it may not be appropriate in this day and age, right? So now we don't have tigers that are about to jump out and eat us. We have you know, other things instead, like jobs and and crappy relationships and, yeah. and, and stuff like that so there's the chimp and then there's the he calls it the professor or sometimes it's called the human which is the the higher order reasoning part of the brain right so that allows you to think things through and maybe make other decisions so you know the chimp part of your brain in a bike race is screaming at you to stop because it thinks you're going to die but the human it doesn't need to listen to the chimp because it knows you're not, right? That you've done this before. Like there's no way that I could push myself close enough to the edge to where I'd actually really hurt myself. And so really you have to kind of, you have to listen to the human. And then he talks about a part called the computer, which is harder to understand, but basically you can you can store things in, in the computer, previous memories, and then the chimp can look in the computer and then the human can also look in the computer. And I'll, I'll stop talking now because you should go and watch the TED Talk in case I butcher this any further. But yes, yeah, Steve Peters, The Chimp Paradox. And there's a book of the same name, which is also very good. Yeah, and that will absolutely be linked. I, people, I'm sure, are checking out the show notes, but um, I have Kathy, who's listening right now. Hello, Kathy. <laughs> she, uh, I need a Kathy. Yeah, I know. I've tried to convince you to get Kathy last night. Um, so, so anything that we ever mentioned throughout any of these conversations, all the links and everything will be in the show notes at aligntheory.com slash podcast. Um, So yeah, hacking into that, like, so I've heard things like psychedelics, I've heard things like drumming, I've heard, there's Stephen Cutler just wrote a book called Ecstasis, or not Ecstasis, sorry, Stealing Fire. Yeah, I've read that book. So he talks about these states of ecstasis and such, and I think that those are states of mind that we've kind of thrown under the bus culturally you yeah, know like maybe our true. government has the man whatever yeah. i just went to a pink floyd concert a couple of days ago so I'm oh like, wow <laughs> like, cool. tear the wall down yeah you know the brick in the wall that's one of my favorite yeah, videos look right. that one up on youtube oh as well, the man the video or the 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 way that they did it on stage was rad they had like little kids they had a, like an army of kids from san jose oh, and they're amazing. all like marching out front and they had like the big oh, walls and like tear the walls down and stuff that's great it was good but um, so these states of ecstasis, I think, have been thrown under the bus as just being kind of like hippie, new age right. nonsense. It'll burn your brain out yeah. or whatever. Doesn't need to be with psychoactive substances. No, uh, but not I think at there's all. A, a sexuality is one, breath work is one, right. float tanks, float meditation. tanks, being in cold water is well. like. There's yeah. all these different realms of it that I yeah. think allow your brain or your body or your belief systems become a bit more porous for right, an a bit instance. more flexible. Yeah. You know, is that anything that you've been pondering on with yourself? It is, yeah. So I read that book, Catching um, Stealing Stealing Fire, after a client recommended it to me and loved it. I thought it was really amazing. And 
that I, he talked they talk about the function one sound system in that and mm -hmm. i'm really obsessed with the function one sound system i haven't heard one for a long time but <laughs> it's that same thing as you're reaching that altered state of consciousness through an amazing music system right like it just sounds so incredible that you can actually think of nothing else which is quite an amazing thing and i recently went to this event called mastermind talks which was in carmel valley it's pretty pretty cool event for entrepreneurs and i was very lucky to get in there somebody introduced me and i, I was lucky to hopefully they'll have me back next year i don't really know whether they will or not but i feel like you think you're lucky to get into yeah. like anything even yeah, though it's like it's a good way to be like <laughs> yeah, stay so. feeling lucky right. um but yeah they, they it's this event for entrepreneurs and apparently they have forty thousand people who apply for this thing and there's only 150 spots so i really was quite lucky to get in and one of the so it's ted talk style for the most part but then they also do these round table workshop things and they had these two doctors in talking about psychedelics and i can't even remember the list of psychedelics was actually a lot longer they talked about mdma they talked about lsd they talked about psilocybin there was a whole bunch of other things i didn't like never even heard of and it, it was really interesting like all of these guys are into it i think like and, but they're not they're not the they seem to be mostly microdosing stuff right so they're like microdosing lsd to where it's not even giving you any kind of buzz but it is maybe giving you a little bit more energy and giving you the ability to concentrate and i've never tried anything like that but i really appreciated stealing fire because of the completeness of it right these at mastermind talks these two doctors just went straight into the mdma right you know there's no there's no <laughs> middle ground we're going straight to lsd <laughs> Um, and <laughs> the Stealing Fire doesn't do that. They talk about the Function 1 sound system. They talk about float tanks. They talk about meditation. They talk, talk about sex is another one. You know, there's there's more than one way to skin that cat. You don't have to go straight to the illegal narcotics. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But you can. But you can. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, what, so what have you found to be the most effective for you, like changing beliefs or witnessing yourself or, you know, Joe Campbell calls it detribalization, right. witnessing where you're coming from, that that's not normal, right? It's just what, sh it's just the environment that, that kind of produced you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, meditation was definitely helpful for me in the beginning, but I'll be honest, I haven't done that for a while. Headspace was the name of the app that I used and I really, really enjoyed it. And it really, really helped me when I wasn't feeling good. And it's for me it was like playing tennis, you know, you sort of get it that you know, I've learned this skill just to be able to just to ca and the chimp paradox actually plays into this as well. Because one of the things that Steve Peters says is, Do you want to be feeling the way that you feel right now? And if the answer is no, well the chimp is currently running the show, right? And you need to do something to manage the chimp to have the human take back over mm. and it's like once you know the trick right and maybe meditation is the thing that enables you to realize that the chimp is, is currently in control you don't need to do that practice every single day right you can still you know if i didn't ride a bike for six months i would still be able to ride a bike in six months right it's like it's a skill that you acquire and um you know one of the other amazing things actually that was my favorite interview of, of yours and it's now my favorite interview of mine is the interview with uh, Ellen Langer which just totally blew me away and she's absolutely amazing so if ha people haven't listened to your interview with Ellen Langer or maybe even mine too whose um, is whose is better mine is shorter <laughs> and punchier okay you kind of you you uh, so she uh, she said things like well, you asked me this, and then you asked me that, and that sent me through a loop. And I think she really did use those words, sent me through a loop, yeah. which I thought was fantastic. Right. 
And so mine is very basic. Like if you don't know who Ellen Langer is, if you don't know what it means to be mindful, listen to my interview. If you've already read the book Counterclockwise, you should probably listen to your book. That's fair. Because mine's a very... I just wanted to start from the beginning. You were clearly... You knew a lot about her, her subject matter already. And so I could see that she was brilliant and a very interesting person. But you, you, were, you were way ahead of me. I needed to go right back to the beginning. So what I did once I realized that she was interesting, I listened to her book Counterclockwise. And then I was like, holy shit. I was like, I love to listen to books now because you can move your body, right? You can walk around the, yeah. around the, around the estate whilst you're reading a book, which is great. And I had about three or four moments where I was like ready to drop to my knees and go, oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe this is so simple. Why is nobody ever, ta- why are they not teaching children this in school? Like you need to stop and pay attention to the small differences in life, right? So it was actually Julie was the first person that taught me this when I was at the tender age of 38 or something, that what you just ate made you feel like shit. That's why you're behaving like this now, is because what you just ate was a very poor choice. I was like, oh yeah, it was. Yeah, maybe I should start thinking about the way that I feel after I eat something. You know, maybe that could be helpful. And that's what Ellen Langer has spent the last four decades showing in an academic setting, is that, that your expectation and and noticing these small differences has huge impact on your health and well-being. Yeah, I heard it described in like the best way for me ever just a few days ago I was listening to a podcast and a guy he said I break food or broke food down into three categories. There's food that makes me feel better, food that makes me feel uh, worse, and food that feels just like neutral. Yeah, yeah. And as opposed to having all of this just like one well, the ketones and the, it's just yeah. like eat the thing hopefully clean your palate up a little bit yeah you know come from some place of neutral in your own self whatever that means to you and just keep track right but as i'm saying that i still have ods on you know all sorts of mostly butter related things. <laughs> mostly butter related <laughs> overconsumption. But, but i think you could it really can be that simple yeah yeah i think yeah i i think i think you're right i think you're right and i mean i so i try and do it everywhere now with the the noticing small differences when I go for a walk, I'll try and notice, oh, look, there's moss growing on that tree where I never noticed before. And it, it's a really a form of meditation, right? It's like yeah. just enough of a distraction to get your mind off of whatever it was doing before you left the house. Yeah. And uh, it's a gift to have a child because it's very easy to notice small differences when you've got small children because they change every single day, right? And, oh, she just said something that she didn't say yesterday. Or, I've never heard her say that before or wow, she's really starting to develop a sense of comedic timing that I'd not really noticed before. But yeah. there it is, you know, so noticing becomes so much easier with kids. Psychogeography. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's Are you a coining that phrase or am I just ignorant? No, 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 you're not ignorant. But that's, that's uh, that was uh, Rolf Potts. He didn't okay. coin that phrase either. But it's, I just did an interview with him recently, actually. Vagabonding was the book that he wrote. It's okay. all about, you know, cruise around the world and just like alternative lifestyles like you can you can just kind of do whatever the hell you want like if you want to just grab a backpack and go to france or morocco like you can do that yeah i i admire you for doing that i mean that's what you you've been doing right now effectively maybe it's not with backpacks in morocco but yeah yeah, i've done it more in the past but yeah yeah, grabbing your audio equipment and just turning up on people's doorsteps and saying hey you (laughs) let's record a podcast i mean you're not going to say no are you to someone that just records podcasts all day long for as part of the what they do for a living and uh, i think it's an amazing thing and it takes some balls to do that and i i it's one of those things that I feel like I would really enjoy if I was to do it, but I've never done it. You know, I like to hide behind 
Skype, right? Can we turn the video off? Because it's really distracting to look at your eyes when I'm talking. <laughs> right. I find it addictive. I find it. Oh, psychogeography, by the way, just okay. for what, what that is, and we can put that in the show notes, Kathy, um, is the, um, essentially, it's like changing your perspective of geography as opposed to being, you know, the borders and like the map, but changing it to be like, how many of the color green will I see down this street? You know, okay. how many times do I see oh, the color see. red? What, how many people do, how many times do people contact each other? Right. Here? Right. You know, and just looking at the geography of the place from a different perspective than just like, okay, I got to go get on Wilshire Street right. and then First Street. It's right. like let go of all the linear stuff and just get into the, the color of bricks. You oh, know, that's amazing. That's and, just, and you can change that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. And do you know what? Bike races are the worst for doing this. I've done this amazing bike race in Canada called the BC Bike Race. And you cross some of the most incredible terrain, like the most amazing trails in the most amazing rainforests. You cross backwards and forwards over to Vancouver Island. And for people who have never been to Vancouver Island, you need to go. It's incredible. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And the ferries are really good fun. You know, with whether you've got kids, dogs, whatever you've got, you can take your car on the ferry. And then you do these bike races. And because you're pinning it, you're going really hard. And you've got the tunnel vision thing. You don't notice any of it. And it's just like all you re really remember is the transitions from one stage of the race to the next stage of the race. And how stupid is that? Like, why why would you want to do that? What, so you get to the end. And, you know, for me, I placed like 15th or something. So I don't even get a medal. Like, what did you just achieve? Like, you've not seen anything. Was even it 15th out of 15? Or was it out of like, a, like 150? 700 people or something. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, that's great. But yeah, I mean, you know, would I now, having done it twice, would I rather go back and just ride those trails and do what you just said, like notice the different colors versus where I am in Santa Cruz and notice the different composition of the soil and how much traction that gives me and look at the waterfalls and these firefighters and carpenters seem to have spent an enormous amount of time building these skinny bridges out of wood to cross the creeks so the trail flows really nicely and just to spend some time looking at those little details, I think would be really fun for me now. Sex is a fair analogy. <laughs> okay. You know, it's like it's not, it shouldn't yeah, be a race yeah, yeah, idea. Exactly. Like, that's, you know? that's good. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah wham bam. Thank you, man. <laughs> We've handled that biological need. Yeah. 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 There's uh, Derek Sivers, who is someone who I, I, I have a lot of adoration towards. He, uh, I heard him mentioning. Um, there was this this stretch of on on Santa Monica. There's this stretch of of uh, like trail. Yeah, I've heard this story. You've heard great. this story. Yeah. It's a good story, right? And so he would ride his bike on that trail every day. I think it was like 20 miles or something. I don't remember what it is exactly. I live in Santa Monica, so I should probably have have mm. a sense of what that is. But um, so he'd ride every day, and he said it would always take him 45 minutes or something like that. You know, and no matter how hard he would go, or he would go as hard as he could, it take him 45 minutes. And then the one day he just like said like, ah, you know, screw it. I'm just gonna go and enjoy myself. And it took him like. 43 or yeah. 40, 46 minutes there was like yeah. a minute and a half over what yeah. it normally was so yeah. that's that that it's that extra little minute yeah it's like is it worth it yeah so that's you how know? i mean so that's just that's just physics isn't it really that the wind resistance it's exponential so you know to ride at, at 20 miles an hour versus 15 takes a ton more power right and so if you back off just a little bit it doesn't make much difference to your speed, and yet you have time to enjoy the ride. It's like right. a yeah, powerful message. Yeah. What should we do as far as um, the other end of this podcast? Are you thinking of doing um, – did you want to do both you, – you mentioned doing uh, both sides? Oh, shit, yeah. I haven't planned that out at all. 
Yeah, I, that would throw me through a loop, as Ellen Langer would say, because I haven't planned that out at all. Oh. Yeah, I want to plan that out. Okay. That's just kind of how I am. Okay, no worries. Yeah, we can yeah. do that. Um, yeah, I was thinking we could just we could just record straight through, but yeah, that's we don't need to do that at all. And I'll cut all this stu- this stuff out of there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, that really stresses me out because I'm just <laughs> having my bullet points. <laughs> points. Are you, I, maybe you could just hold them in your head, but I can't do that. Like, I need to have like my a rough map, you know, and it's not got all of the points on it, but it's got the main points yeah, I want to yeah. hit on. Yeah, no worries. I uh, think also what I'd like to do is listen to some of the interviews that you've recorded over the last, sure. before I like will be able to create the map. Yeah, yeah no worries. Yeah. Um, so let's wrap up then. How do people find more about your stuff and learn all of, all the, the parts of Nourish, Balance, Thrive, etc.? Yeah, we haven't really talked about that, have we? <laughs> yeah. Well, we to- we've also had you on before as well. So yeah, that's other, true. I think that was probably yeah, that's true. a that's little, true. Bit, I've forgotten about little that. bit more focused, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, right, I'm going to commit to this right now. Yeah, do it. I'm doing it, right. Drop, okay. Drop um, so for the last few months, in fact, it's longer than that, you know, I said that my background is in computer science and I've been learning about machine learning and machine learning is a sub-branch of artificial intelligence and some really cool stuff is happening there at the moment. And Jeremy Howard is, who also has a, a TED talk called The Terrifying World of Machines That Can Learn, is a TED talk you should link to and, and maybe check out because it is pretty brilliant. And then I also interviewed Pedro Dominguez, who's a professor of computer science at the University of Washington alongside Tommy. And those two people, the master algorithm is the name of Pedro Dominguez's book, which was incredibly helpful to me. And those, those kind of inspired me to start my first machine learning application, which was to take some of the data that we've collected over the last three years. So a thousand athletes, they did these expensive tests, blood chemistry, urinary organic acids, urinary hormones, stool testing. And while they were doing those tests, we had them do a standardized health assessment questionnaire. So I asked them questions like, in the last seven days, I feel lonely. In the last seven days, I was constipated. So imagine 51 questions like that. And then what I did was I trained a model that would predict the results of the five most important performance killers we see in our athletes, right? So... These things are glucose intolerance. We talked a little bit about that in, in this podcast. We talked about um, hormone imbalance, so low testosterone or high cortisol, gut dysbiosis. So I mentioned the guy with a stool test that looked like a train wreck, right? A lot of gut dysbiosis. And circadian dysregulation as well is another major performance killer that we see in our athletes. So what I've done is I've taken these health assessment questionnaires and I've used it to predict these performance killers as tested by the expensive test that we've been doing. And then what I did was I set aside some of my data. So let's say I had a thousand records. Well, I set aside 300 of them so that I could test my models that made these predictions and know that they were really good. And they are astonishingly good. Mm. Like it's frightening. I'm pretty sure that within the next few years, we won't be doing much testing anymore which will radically bring down the cost of our program. At the moment, our program that we do is $8,500. And most of that money, it passes straight through to the labs that perform the mass spectrometry. And I'm pretty sure that is going to change in the next five years. That's gonna, that price is going to come way down because we're not going to be needing to do so many tests because the tests that we do do will then be able to extrapolate out using these machine learning algorithms. So where I'm going with this is you'll be able to come 
and let's name the URL right now, analysis.nourishbalancethrive.com. So I'll create that URL after we've finished speaking. And that will take you to a, an analysis on my website. And so you click on these radio buttons. It's not a big deal. You just answer the questions honestly. I feel lonely. I feel tired. I have, I feel anxious. All these types of questions, radio buttons. And then what happens is I take these models and I make predictions about whether or not you're likely to have any of these performance killers that we see in the athletes that we work with. So it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like a test drive, you know? When you go and, when you go to buy a car, you're probably not gonna spend $30,000 on a car without driving it first. And when you take it for a test drive, you're not gonna find out everything there is to know about that car. You know, maybe there's some special journey you wanna do across, across the country that you won't really know <laughs> until you do it. And the same is true with our stuff. So you do this analysis, you get back your results, and it's like test driving our program. You're gonna get an idea of the, the types of things that we're concerned with and, and maybe some of the interventions that, that we'll make to fix these performance killers. Cool. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's it. So you'll, you'll have a really good idea at that point. And then if you want to talk to somebody about your results, you can do that. So there'll be a button on that web page that you can click to schedule an online appointment and you'll talk to either Amelia, who's my registered nurse that I work with, or my wife, Julie, who d also does the initial starter sessions. And it doesn't matter who you choose. So we all work together very closely using an internet chat application called Slack. So it doesn't matter who you talk to, you're gonna get the same answer. So there we go, I've committed to the video. The only thing, th so the, the algorithms are done, like everything is done. The only thing I'm waiting for are these really nice whiteboard explainer videos. I don't know if you've ever seen these videos. Uh, so basically, we've narrated a, 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 an explanation of the different performance killers. And then I've had an artist draw it on a whiteboard as I'm doing the voiceover. I, re I, I don't know. Maybe people are going to tell me they hate these videos. But <laughs> I really like them. And so it, it, that's all I'm waiting for. So when you get your results back, you're going to have a two-minute video that explains each of the performance killers. And then you'll have a number that tells you how likely it is that this thing affects you. Cool. So highly personalized. So... Yeah, I'm committing to that being done by the time you air this podcast. I like it. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for, uh, this is one of my favorite locations, I'd say, to that I've, ever, I've ever recorded. Again, we're in this, like, how would you describe this this forest that we're in right now? Yeah, it's not old growth. So here in Santa Cruz, unfortunately, they clear cut most of the redwoods. And they did that in order to fire the, the lime kiln. So they were making concrete. Mm. It's so sad, the story. They cut down all these beautiful old redwoods. There's still some of them remaining old growth redwoods and they're eight to 10 feet in diameter. And they cut these trees down. They used them to fire the kilns and then they made cement, which was then used to build San Francisco. And then there was the earthquake in the early 1900s. Everything was leveled. And then they scratched their heads and say, yeah, we probably don't want to build things out of concrete anymore. And so all the lime kilns shut down anyway. It was all total, it was complete waste. There was mm. nothing good came out of that at all. And, and so the trees you're looking at now are, are second growth. And there are some big redwoods that were probably, may, maybe they were around when they clear cut everything and they were just little trees then and, and they're big trees now. And then in Bonzi Bonnie Dune, which is where we are, we're not quite in Santa Cruz, we're in Bonnie Dune. They have these trees called manzanitas, which is the, those, those red ones over yeah, there. They're, they're really, really hard woods. Yeah. And they are quite beautiful. So yeah, redwoods and Bonnie Dune manzanitas are... Yeah, it's where we are right now. It's quite lovely. I'll take a picture and put it up on at least Instagram and then maybe whatever on the website or yeah. something like that as well because this place is really nice. All right, man. Cool. Thank Thanks you for so having much. me. Teamwork. Well done. Align Podcast.
Thank you once again so much to Ample Meal for bringing us this podcast today. They are a delicious meal replacement, which is uh, a delicious bottle. All you have to do is throw some water in there and get yourself all the healthy fats you need. It's got chlorella, wheatgrass, barley grass, probiotics, mac, nut, coconut, chia seed, all sorts of great stuff. So check that out. 15% off at uh, using the Align code, A-L-I-G-N. Use that at checkout at amplemeal.com. Thank you people so much. Align Podcast. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump on the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a couple things you can do. One of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, You can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, Anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link. Every time you do it, we get something like 7% of your purchase and it helps support this show. It is awesome. So great. As well, something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you know has ears and likes books, uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. And then from there, that is, uh, you get a free audio book from Audible. They have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book and, uh, again, all free, no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through, I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and, uh, just really, really amazing website, uh, amazing service. Couldn't recommend it more. And, uh, it kicks us down some screen. Scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um Thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. And thanks just in general for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for, for spreading the word. All right. I can't express enough how much I appreciate all that. If you guys ever have any questions or comments, you feel free to email me directly at Aaron at aligntherapy.com. And I would love to talk. All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.